everybody. Welcome to the Snake in the Draft podcast, a short 15 to 20 minute podcast made to help you look at players and fantasy football differently than you normally do. I'm your host, Jacob Vines, and you can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I have Kate Maju joining me. Kate is the co-owner of bestballfootball.com and a writer for Roto World and 444 Football. You can find Kate on Twitter at ffballblast, which you should already be following her there. Uh, today, we're going to talk about rookie QBs and what they mean for your redraft league. So welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I just... Uh, I've been following you for quite a while on Twitter. Uh, I recently started doing articles and things like that in May. And so I joined Fantasy Football Twitter about nine months ago. So, oh, that's awesome. um, and I know you've been at it for quite a while, which uh, you did talk about on uh, the injury prone podcast with by Edwin or Dr. Porras, whatever you want to call him. Uh, and that was a really great podcast. Oh my God. He, he's doing a, a really good job. Really great um, injury analysis for fantasy points. Um, check out their work. They're, they're pretty new as a site, but um, I think they've got like some deals where their content's free. So definitely check them out. But um, yeah, he was a great conversationalist and I hope to one day host my podcast as well as he hosted his brand new podcast because that was fantastic. <laughs> I, yeah, he, he does a great job. And you do a great job on your podcast. Don't don't uh, talk down on your own podcast. Come on. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I need to work on my interviewing skills. But I obviously, you know, I, I do my podcast with my wife. And so that it's it's easier to go off the rails when it is with uh, a, a loved one who you do not have to be super formal with. So <laughs> we, we have a good time there. So speaking of going off the rails, we are going to go off the fantasy football rails. And I, I was going to ask you, what's one hobby that you have that doesn't relate to fantasy football? And for anybody that has been listening to the Snake of the Drop podcast, it's going to be a new question for every guest. So what do you have, Kate? Okay. So do you know how like long I had to think about this? So you sent the show doc over and I read this question and I sat here and I was like, okay, fantasy football, not fantasy football. Um, it took me way too long to find an answer, which just tells me that I need to I need to keep branching out and not get too burnt out on fantasy football. But fantasy football is so much fun. But that's not what the question is. Um, I would have to say one of my favorite hobbies is playing like recreational adult sports. It's something that I didn't really do until I moved to Pittsburgh. Um, I, I was in a kickball league when we lived in Florida, but it, it was a, a grumpy group of people, so we didn't have too much fun. But um, so Michelle and I, we actually play a lot of like it, sort of intramural sports. We do kickball, um, flag football. We've done volleyball, which I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I'm good at. I got spiked in the face my first game. I <laughs> we we do a lot of these like little city sports leagues and they're so much fun. Um, gives you a chance to be like a kid again, which is such a good feeling. And I think that's a lot of what we get excited with when we're playing fantasy football. It feels like we're kids again. So um, I think it's, it's a good way as an adult to meet friends, which there aren't a ton of ways to do that these days. So uh, I'm, I'm all for recreational kickball, soccer, whatever you play. Um, just even if you're not good, just get out there and go make some friends and exercise. It's fun. I love it. Yeah, that's a that is a great way to to meet people. I'm not in any right now because uh, I don't think you know this. A lot of people don't, but I'm currently going to physical therapy school, so I'm with you in that. I only do oh. physical therapy. 
school and fantasy football. So I have no life outside of those two right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so easy to, to get lost. But if you ever, uh, if you ever need a, a good distraction for for a couple of hours a week, it's uh, it's definitely one I'd recommend. And congratulations on school. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I know you're a nurse and also recovering from a finger wound, as I heard on the podcast. So yeah, I actually, um, I don't, if any, nobody's going to see this, I don't think, but I, I finally got an ACE wrap for my, for my wrist and hand injury. Um, I get injured a lot. It's just sort of like my thing. Um, I, I, I just am consistently injured. So I, I finally bit the bullet. I'm wearing a little brace. It does feel a little better in the brace, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm still, it's a long, long road to recovery. So if I don't, if I don't hit the upswing soon, I may be sliding into your DMS for some of that awesome advice. <laughs> I would recommend sliding into, to the, to injury doc Edwin first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just in my first semester, but uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, it's, it's been fun though, watching everybody in fantasy football with, injury news and also people like yourself that dig really deep and have inspired me to dig deep myself uh still working on that but speaking of digging deep you did a thread over rookie qbs and how it affects the other position players around them so with this thread and this thread was actually really uh changed my mind a lot about these rookie qbs so a couple examples are like joe burrow and justin herbert and how it affects the wide receivers running backs and tight ends on their team and with this, it was rookie QBs who have played 14 games. So do you agree that that the main QBs are going to be probably like the Bengals and the Chargers with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert? And also just what made you interested in making this thread? Honestly, those are those are the two teams that I had in mind. So Justin Herbert, I could see him even slipping into like the, the 10 to 12 game range, depending on uh, how stubborn the Chargers want to be with Tyrod Taylor. But Mostly I was thinking about Joe Burrow because we're looking at an offense with lots of question marks, especially with a rookie quarterback, you know, as an isolated sort of uh, situation, you have a rookie quarterback, but like, look at the fact that you've got AJ Green returning to the offense. You've got Tyler Boyd who's actually been pretty productive for fantasy football, Joe Mixon being very highly drafted. So, um, you know, with the, the sort of hype around that offense and the knowledge that, you know, not only do you have a, a rookie quarterback, now you have a, a very altered off-season program. So he didn't get to have that sort of traditional pathway of working with the team and, and developing that rapport with his his receivers the same way that you know most rookie quarterbacks do. So I, with that in mind, I wanted to see sort of in the ideal situation, what does that look like for a, a NFL team? And it wasn't great. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of the the main takeaways from the thread that I had is that the average lead wide receiver on their team had 844 yards and about four touchdowns. Also, it it seemed overall that the lead backs didn't seem to be super affected with it being uh, 1,300 yards from scrimmage. The lead backs actually did really well, and I do think it – I mean, I, I will say this research didn't turn up a lot of surprises for me. Um, you know, I think in general, we all have that sort of conception that, you know, rookie quarterbacks, when they're under center, um, you know, they might not have that that tendency, that propensity to throw quite as much. Um, the offense might be just more designed to lean on the run. And that's honestly what this research 
showed me um, lead running backs of teams. And for lead back, I did um, total touches for lead wide receiver. I did whoever led the, the team in receiving yards. Um, but 70% of lead backs eclipsed a thousand yards from scrimmage, which that is a nice, that is a nice chunk. Um, so I think I'm not even a big believer in Joe Mixon. I've never been a, a huge fan. I think he's better for uh, NFL football than I think he is for fantasy. And it, I mean, you have to be encouraged by that as, as any sort of Joe Mixon owner moving forward this year, because he's going to have the volume. My only concern is he's already had the volume. So what, will there be a big difference there in terms of, of Joe Mixon's production? I don't know, but I will say, I, I don't think I'm going to touch Tyler Boyd or AJ Green in, in really any format this year. Gotcha. That's, I know that there's a uh, Mike who writes for y'all. He's very into Tyler Boyd right now. Uh, and I pulled some ADP from Fantasy Pros, and this is PPR. And that, uh, so speaking of Joe Mixon, he's currently going as the RB seven, which is the end of the second round. AJ Green is wide receiver twenty eight, end of the sixth round, and then Tyler Boyd is wide receiver thirty one, which is start of the seventh. Which I was actually really surprised to see that Tyler Boyd was after AJ Green. Um, I definitely, um, I think that's correct, though. I like. We haven't seen AJ Green perform in such a long time. It like it, this is he's like the less severe version of Alshon Jeffrey, where I feel like we're just still waiting and waiting and and waiting for that bounce back. But he he definitely, um, you know, father time is not on his side. We talk about you know even uh, a guy like Le'Veon Bell when he sat out a season. What what impact did that have on you know his his overall? ability to stay in shape. You know, AJ Green had a, a an ankle injury, which uh, lower body injuries, especially for a guy dependent on, on running routes, that's not an encouraged thing, encouraging thing. And it, it did. It took him so long to make that recovery. If I had to pick anybody, it definitely would be Tyler Boyd. I just, I'm not, I, you know, I, I would worry not specifically maybe for uh, AJ Green to have another ankle injury, but you have to worry, I think, about maybe soft tissue injuries if he hasn't been able to work work out his lower body the same way that that he normally would in a traditional season and off-season program. Yeah, and I think if AJ Green does stay healthy, that ruins Tyler Boyd's upside. And he was, Tyler Boyd was wide receiver 19 in points per game in 2018, and A.J. Green was wide receiver 16 in points per game, but that was also not with a rookie QB. So that's a big factor, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, you know, overall, so I the way that I like to draft, I you know, I really play into the no risk, no reward. I know you, you need some safe pieces on your team, but uh, especially in a redraft league, outside of maybe like two or three just really solid performers. The rest of my picks, I want them to be upside players. I, I don't really see a ton of upside within this offense. You know, even Joe Mixon for where he's being drafted, what are the chances that he really outperforms RB7? You know, it. I think that's sort of my, my way of looking at these, uh, you know, draft positions, you know, outside of the first round. What are their chances to really, um, you know, make that pick worth it? And none of these guys are screaming that for me. Um, and Chargers, I, I honestly have similar concerns. 
Gotcha. So I, I do agree with your sentiment of trying to go for more upside in general, and especially later in drafts. Like uh, recently listened to the late round QB podcast, and he talked about how if you're wanting to get high upside handcuffs, they need to be handcuffs that aren't on your same team. And so that oh, is something absolutely. that, yeah, he said that a couple of times now. And every time he says it, I'm like, that's really smart. I should do that. And so like I was in the Scott Fishbowl, you were in the Scott Fishbowl. And that's something that I tried to do. And that is not get two running backs on the same team. Absolutely. Yeah, you you do. You really um, you cap your upside, you know, when you're you're getting that, uh, you know, backup handcuff running back, unless you're in a dynasty league um, where you really can't play the the waiver wire. If you're in a redraft league, the best way to go, like if I am, you know, the the Zeke owner, why why draft Tony Pollard? Because he might he's probably not going to be relevant unless my starting quarterback or starting running back who I've already invested all this draft capital in goes down, you know, go for an Alexander Madison. So, you know, if, if Dalvin cook goes down, which he's, he's been, um, we won't use the word injury prone, but he's had injuries. Um, you know what, you know, Ed, <laughs> oh yeah. We, I, um, we also have Matthew Betts on our, our ball blast team here. So like I've been, uh, very conditioned by my sports physical therapist teams to <laughs> not use the word injury prone unless I'm talking about myself because I am. Um, Edwin actually said that I think I'm I'm the only person that uh, has received that tag from him. Uh, it's just me, so I feel very special. But um, you know, I, like I, I would rather utilize that you know later round pick on a guy that um, you know I don't have to count on my. RB1, my my first round pick to go down in order for him to be fantasy relevant. So uh, JJ Zacharyson, if anybody hasn't listened to his podcast, you literally gain brain cells every time you listen to it. He's so, so smart. He's got so much advice on strategy and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that he's he's right on the nose there. Yeah, I agree. Everybody should listen to Late Round QB. Uh, the shorter podcast is actually inspired by his podcast. So, um, those quick hits yes that's that's the goal just uh find a twitter thread i like which is yours or i have a couple others coming on later and just talk about it so uh with the chargers so you mentioned having some concerns with the chargers and that so talking about just adp so we have austin eckler being drafted at the rb12 which is the beginning of the second round and then early is what it is yeah and Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly back in the 13th round, and then Keenan Allen, middle of the 7th, Mike Williams, middle of the 12th. So do you feel similar with these players like you do with the Bengals and that they are not your ceiling play, so you're going to stay away from them, or do you see some upside with certain players? I do see some some upside. So Austin Eckler is a guy that won't be on any of my teams unless he does lose some of that um, you know, draft capital. I don't want to draft him as my uh, – you know. RB1, presumably, if I took a, a wide receiver in the first round. Austin Eckler is a guy that, you know, obviously we saw his upside last season, but we've never seen him a, in a true work, workhorse role. You know, we've never seen him um, assume any, a true carry load of an RB1. Um, I think he's never never surpassed, you know, what was it, 130-something or 130 or, or so uh, rushing attempts he did a lot of that work through the air. And I think that that's a reasonable thing to, to consider him, you know, for moving forward. 
the the pieces in this offense I find the most interesting are definitely the Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, because they are going so late. They're free. Um, and all they sort of show is upside at that point. You know, you're not investing draft capital. You're just investing in the idea that if, you know, we have Austin Eckler there and he doesn't take on, you know, all of those rushing attempts that a true lead back does, who's going to rush the ball? Like, it's going to be one of these guys, Justin Jackson. He was, you know, he wasn't Melvin Gordon, but he was still, he was fine when he was asked to step in. And then, you know, Joshua Kelly, he's a question mark, but I liked him coming out of college. So, you know, both of those, especially just based on, you know, the draft capital that you don't have to invest on them. I, I like those as upside guys. And also Mike Williams, which is sort of interesting because he's a guy that I last year at his cost was not super pumped about. I think last year was right around like the wide receiver 20 or so. Wasn't wasn't buying into that. I was a little nervous, but at the price of a wide receiver 48, we've already seen him we've already seen him produce. You know, he he managed a thousand yard season. He he dipped in the touchdown category, which, you know, I, I think we all expected him to dip in 2019 because he was so efficient with touchdowns in 2018. But I, he really dipped in 2019. So I, I think we have to expect, like, even if we're somewhere in the middle, like a, a nice seven touchdown season or or eight, I think that's so easily within the realm of possibility. He's a, a big body dude. I think the question marks really just lie with, uh, you know, whoever's going to be throwing him the ball. You know, if it's Justin Herbert, you have a rookie quarterback under, under center. If it's Tyrod Taylor, he really – shows more of that tendency to throw to like a tight end and he doesn't necessarily chuck the ball down the field. So Mike Williams is a guy that is a question mark for me, but because I don't have to spend the draft capital, I'm totally willing to to take a flyer because at wide receiver 48, I, I have to expect that he's going to outperform that ADP in 2020. Yeah, and speaking of not scoring touchdowns, he didn't score a touchdown until week 14 last year. Oh my god. I like I, I actually yeah. didn't even look that up. That's absolutely bananas. And, and then, so many people were so, so excited for Mike Williams. And I think that that was a uh it, it was a hit to the gut, and that's probably why he's fallen to wide receiver 48. Despite a like overall, he he played pretty well last season. So I, I think it's literally just, you know, that that sort of discount, like where you're you got burned, so people are going to leave them off their draft boards, and that's fine by me because I'll take them. Same here. Uh, one last guy, Hunter Henry. I didn't mention him before. Currently tied in seven. I actually did draft him in the Scott Fishbowl. So what are your thoughts on Henry? I, I realized on my Scott Fishbowl team I have Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Justin <laughs> Herbert. So there I guess I'm on the Chargers. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that, but that's just how it ran. So what do you think about Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry is actually a guy that I'm I'm pretty intrigued by. Again, I don't really like that he's going as the tight end seven because I don't really expect him to. Um, like in in my realm of projections, I don't see a, a universe where he you know performs as the tight end three or the tight end four. I I think tight end seven is is right about correct for him, but. Um, he is a guy that, you know, I think regardless of who is under center for the Chargers in 2020, whether that be Justin Herbert as a rookie, you know, a, a lot of rookies will lean on those tight ends. Um, you know, that we never really saw, um, even in my thread, you know, there wasn't that huge dip 
in terms of tight end projection, um, you know, with the rookie quarterback and a lead tight end. Um, 40% of lead tight ends eclipsed 500 receiving yards. No tight end with one of these, these lead quarterbacks uh, who are in their rookie season scored more than seven touchdowns. So that that is very interesting. But because of the fact that, you know, sometimes these guys who are able to to work the middle of the field and work out of the slot, um, you know, I think there's something interesting there with Justin Herbert. And we've already seen, you know, Tyrod Taylor be able to to utilize the tight end position. So I think regardless, Hunter Henry's a pretty pretty interesting pick, and I think the price is just about right for him. Yeah, I think in Scott Fishbowl, I know Hayden Hurst went in front of him, so he was maybe really? tight. Yeah, we we had a couple of weird picks, like Robert Woods at the end of the third round, Hayden Hurst in like the fifth round. So I took uh, I took Tyler Higby in the fourth round. I was the second highest draft pick for Tyler Higby. So. Um, I'm sure if my league mates are on a podcast right now, they're probably like, yeah, we had a couple of weird picks. But I, I'm sure they're looking at my Tyler Higby, but that's that's for another podcast. He's, uh, I, I agree. I'm not the biggest Higby fan, but I also realize that it's just two sides of a different coin. So oh, it, yeah. could go, it could go either way. And I at first was very like, no, this is the way. And then talking with other people, I realized like it's going to be interesting. And it's actually the most exciting situation that I have for 20, 2020. I'm actually like really interested to see what happens because it'll it'll show who was wrong and who was right. So there's, there's definitely yeah. I, I don't really uh, think it's one of those situations that we're going to see sort of a, a split down the middle. I do feel like either you're going to be right on Tyler Higby or you're going to be wrong. And uh, fingers crossed that I'll be right because <laughs> uh, roster sort of depends on it at this point. But uh, you know what? This is where you swing for the fences, so I'm swinging with Tyler Higby. Hey, I I understand that. Uh, I played my draft pretty safe, but yeah, you like we already talked about. You got to swing for the fences, especially Scott Fishbowl, 1400 teams or 1440 teams. So it's yeah, I didn't do great last year. I think I finished with like a uh, three total wins on the season. So I'm really looking to change up my strategy in 20 uh, 2020 in, in hopes that you know we'll. I'll make a little bit more progress there. Yeah, this is my first year, so we'll just see. I've heard a couple of people mention their first year was rough, so I don't know. I'm just going into it, just praying for the best, and we'll just see what happens. Just have fun with it. I feel like that's the the best thing you could do with it. So, you know, congratulations on on making it to your for your first season, and um, let's just have some fun. I feel like this is such a cool way to you know just show, showcase how connected our community is in terms of um you know it, these like people we consider celebrities playing in the same leagues as us in the same divisions as us uh in the same chats as us i i feel like uh fantasy twitter is a really unique community in the sense that you know it's it's not unusual for us to be able to interact with these people that we consider our heroes and on a regular basis, you know, like all of these people, Liz Loza, always willing to come on a podcast, Adam, like all of these, all of these people that we think are so uh, unreachable are really all reachable. And, you know, so I encourage everybody listening, you know, if you uh, do have an idol in the industry, reach out because this is the industry where 
or everybody's super connected and Scott Fishbowl's just another way to do it for a super good cause. I will add, Kate, that you are a celebrity as well, so don't forget about that. No, no, no. I do appreciate the sentiment, but no, no, no. We're not ready for that yet. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, if anybody for any reason doesn't follow Kate, follow her at FF Ball Blast. So, Kate, do you have any new projects or anything that you want people to check out? Yeah, you can uh, so follow me on Twitter. You can check out um, our podcast. It's Ball Blast, one word. Um, it's me and my wife, Michelle. Uh, she is awesome. She introduced me to football just five years ago, which is insane. I did not watch it before her. Um, so we just uh, mostly talk about redraft and, and, you know, strategies to win your your leagues there. But we actually have just expanded our, our ball blast team. So I uh, launched our website in about April or so. And we just had a big time merger with the uh, Red Shirts fantasy football crew. So uh, now we've got uh, Matt Okada, Matthew Betts, John Homkamp uh, as, as part of our ownership team. And, and we're pumping out so much good content. Um, ballblastfootball.com. I, I did the revamp of the site and I'm super pumped about that. So I have to advertise that wherever I, <laughs> wherever I go. Cause I'm a nervous I'm a web developer, but I'm pretty excited. It looks great. Thank you. Everybody make sure to go check out ballblastfootball.com. Uh, thank you again, Kate, for coming on and, uh, everybody make sure to subscribe, rate and review to the snake in the draft podcast. We're still, I'm still really new. So about five episodes in, and, uh, and again, thank you all for tuning in. And let's be snakes this draft season.